Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another Word Balloon comic book conversation. This is John Suntress. Man, we got a good one for you today. Suicide Squad's daddy himself, John Ostrander, is back, and uh, it is great to talk to him, not only about the Suicide Squad. We talk about the upcoming movie. We talk about a DC one-shot that is coming in August, part of DC Rebirth that John is doing of Suicide Squad. But also, Hexer Dusk is a new Kickstarter campaign that John and his old Star Wars companion, Jan Dursma, have got out. And uh, it is great to talk to them about uh, this campaign. We're going to talk to Jan uh, later on down the line. But I uh, wanted to talk to John because, uh, you know, Suicide Squad is coming. And uh, I know there's a lot of excitement for that. But uh, let's go back and hear from the man himself. I just love talking to John Ostrander. We've done it many times before. It's great to have him back. Uh, he's an old Chicago vet, so uh, we impart some Chicago news to him and uh, also just uh, catch up. And we, we cover some old ground that we've done before, things like the Bucket of Suds, the original inspiration for Munden's Bar, if you know your Grim Jack and First Comics uh, stuff. And we talk about First Comics a bit. And Grim Jack, he's got some ideas percolating still for uh, some new Grim Jack stories. But, uh, man, it's just good to catch up with John Ostrander on uh, today's Word Balloon. It's brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. There are great deals going on right now at InStock Trades. Well, look at that. I am pleased to say there's a lot of John Ostrander product at InStockTrades.com. You can get uh, The Legend of Grimjack, Volume 2 or Volume 3, right off the bat. Uh, 50% off. It is just $19.99. The 30th edition of Legends... Uh, the 30th anniversary trade paperback is out, and I forgot John was uh, one of the main writers of that fine thing, John and Lynn Ween. Uh, John Byrne doing the art card, Carl Kessel as well, but uh, what a great book, and uh, it's your opportunity to get it for 45% off, just $9.89. We mention uh, John's run of The Spectre with he and Tom Mandrake. You can get volume two, The Wrath of God. Good stuff. 45% off, just $10.99. And of course, Suicide Squad, well, hell, why not pick up the trade paperback of uh, the first few issues? Issues 1 through 8 and Secret Origins 14. Great stuff from Luke McDonald and John Ostrander. It is uh, 45% off, just $10.99. That's just the tip of the iceberg of uh, John Ostrander product you can find at InStockTrades.com. We might go over some more on the second half of the show, but uh, do yourself a favor. Get some great books at great prices. Don't forget, if your orders are $50 or more, you receive free shipping, and you will find a $50 order very quickly with the great books you'll have if you go to InStockTrades.com. All right, not the best grammar, but, you know, the intent is there. So Word Balloon is also brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your support uh, via Patreon. If you like Word Balloon, uh, the best way you can help me out is let a friend know that this is a cool show and they might like it as well. But if you'd like to contribute to Word Balloon, um, you know, that would be terrific. If you can spare a dollar or two a month, I'm, I'm not asking for a lot, but if you could do that, that would be terrific via Patreon and subscribe to Word Balloon. You don't have to do it. Word Balloon's free. But if you could spare it, you know, think about it. You spend $4 on a comic book. Well, you got Word Balloon every month giving you several hours of uh, interesting content that you can't find anyplace else. And it's even harder and harder to find good in-depth uh, you know, interviews like what I do at Word Balloon online. So uh, you know, if you, if you think it's worthwhile, do me a favor. Contribute to Word Balloon. Thank you very much for your support, League of Word Balloon listeners. And if you want to contribute, go to wordballoon.com, click on the Patreon ad, and it will tell you all the information you need. Thank you again.
All right, let's get started with uh, our new conversation with John Ostrander. It's been a while. John was having some health issues uh, last year. We talk a little bit about that. I'm glad he's on the mend, and he's in great spirits and funny, and as always, and just an entertaining guy, and I'm really glad that he's getting uh, some new product out there. Hexer Dusk, a new Kickstarter campaign. Uh, there's very few t- uh, uh, moments left of that campaign. Uh, we're talking to you on Sunday, and uh, this, uh, you know, ends on Monday. So do yourself a favor and check out the Kickstarter and, and support this excellent project from him and Jan Dursma. And we look forward to the Suicide Squad stuff coming up in August. John Ostrander joins us now on Word Balloon. Really happy to welcome back John Ostrander to uh, to Word Balloon. It's been a while, but uh, we always have good conversations, and I uh, make him uh, relive his Chicago days when he uh, used to live in the area. But mm-hmm. uh, welcome back, John. Good to be back. And uh, congratulations on Hexer Dusk. Because Thank I, you. I see that, yeah, you've, uh, you're already, as, as of this call, you're about uh, $9,000 ahead of your goal. Yeah. Which is excellent. And uh, you and Jan Dursma, always great to see you two back. All your wonderful work that you did back in the day for Star Wars. Uh, tell me about this project and uh, the, how it began. Well, in many ways, uh, uh, it has certainly grown out of our experience on Star Wars, although it is not Star Wars by any means. It's uh, strange enough it's to start off with Jan and a dream that she had of um, that she was a soldier in this war on the ground, and the, there was these two great sky cities above that were at war. And and in the dream, she saw the two of them explode and fall. And um, she says the dream was so vivid, you know, like, uh, that there was sound and there was smell, and you know, and, and it's like she could feel the uh, the explosions. And this intrigued her, you know, like, what did it mean? What was involved? And when she told me about this image, for me too, the image was just so vivid, and it was like, okay. What are we going to build out of this? You know, like, uh, who is the soldier on the ground? And from that, we've started to construct this whole galaxy, and out of uh, the galaxy comes our hero, Zane Dusk, Hexer Dusk. Excellent. Uh, Zane Dusk, is this, a, is this a female hero? Nope, it's a guy. Okay, no worries. That's cool. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. You can't tell from the uh, one of the images on Kickstarter. It's very masked. Uh, yeah. Almost a skull face kind of mask that uh, yeah. he wears. Yeah, 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 and that's deliberate. Um, particularly in, their, in this first story, as you encounter him, you really don't know what to make of him. I mean, um, just because he's not, it's not necessary that he's our hero. He is our protagonist, but is he a hero? Is he a good guy? You know, or is he, well, you know, as anyone who reads my stuff knows, I don't necessarily, even when I do a good guy, I don't do 100% good guy. Sure. And when I do bad guys, I don't do necessarily 100% bad guys. I always, you know, I like the mix. You know, I like to play around with, uh, because that's how I find most people are. You know, sure. You know, we're all mixes of a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Nobody's crystal pure, and everyone's got their good parts, though, too. Absolutely. Well, that's why uh, Cade Skywalker was such a great character in Star Wars Legacy, mm-hmm. and that, you know, definitely, you know, had his dark side as well of his light, as his light side. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, well, first of all, he was an addict to uh, to begin with, <laughs> yeah. you know. You know, so th- so that's not necessarily something that you that you want to put forth as a role model. Um, and just because he's a Skywalker, didn't yeah? I mean, we wanted to play against the whole Skywalker image. We didn't want to 
to make him Luke, but at the same time, we didn't want to make him Anakin either. Sure. And, and, and we sort of found that sweet, uh, that sweet spot in between. Very cool. Now back to Hexer. Um, how long of a book is this going to be? Well, the first one is um, graphic novel size, about 72 pages. Okay. Uh, um, not all of the stories, some of it's going to be making of and, and that sort of thing as well. But um, mostly it's going to be story. And uh, um, Jan and I have, have planned it out and plotted it out. And uh, even as we go, Jan keeps on adding a little bit here, a little bit there. You know, And mainly we want to give that, you know, rather than being the usual uh, 20, 22-page monthly book. We want to give it our freedom to for Jan to explore the visuals. You know, some of them need to be bigger, and if there's room for lots of big visuals in this, then, then she has the freedom to do that. Well, I'm not surprised, and I'm looking at some of the pages that you guys have, have put up now, and, uh, man, I'm telling you, it, it's that kind of Star Wars, big space opera epic stuff that you and Jan are known for, and that's mm-hmm. that's always been impressive when you guys get together, um, you know, the combination of uh, great characters, but also big spectacle on a, on a very big scale. Yeah, and we got, you know, we got so many more elements than we usually do did in Star Wars. We have, of course, the science fiction, science, fantasy, space opera look, but there's a touch of horror to it as well. And there's also a touch of um, of magic in it as well, because they're called hexers. So, uh, well, a hexer works spells, yet yeah, hexes. So, uh, so that's all part of the mix as well. And we got strange, weird villains. Well, well, they're called the weird. Um, <laughs> so, um, and they're aptly named. So, um, we've taken everything that we know in terms of doing space opera and stuff like that through Star Wars, and just sort of ramping it up a bit. Also, I should note that part of the reason that the art looks so so spectacular is Janice also inking herself this time. Oh, that's and great. And I think the look definitely uh, shows as a result of it. No, you guys are pros, man. I mean, that's the thing. You guys have had uh, great tenures on uh, your your collaborations, and uh, the the professionalism comes through. And that's what's mm-hmm. exciting about Kickstarter is it really gives the two of you that really have you know you know your craft and you can do your craft completely unfettered and you know what to do and what not to do that mm-hmm. maybe where an editorial you know hand might come in you know handy or whatever but but you know you 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 guys get to the work and get to do it you know at your best yeah i mean uh I'm not taking any, anything away from the editors because I've worked with some great ones um in fact i'm even uh, working with a good guy over at um, at DC right now on the uh, on the Suicide Squad special I'm doing, and yeah, you know, okay. I can, and I mean uh, his name is Andy Corey, and mm-hmm. he's terrific. You know, and I really enjoy working with him. But every once in a while, when it's your creation and your vision, what's the editor going to do other than maybe run some interference for you, which is not small, believe me. Sure. You know, like, uh, in a Kickstarter, we do all the work ourselves that uh, an editor or publisher might ordinarily do. And so uh, we're working really hard, you know, like on it. You know, I mean, I'm not asking anyone to go, oh, boo-hoo, you know, but oh, it sure. is. But it is real work. It's really hard work, you know. Um, and <laughs> in many ways, it makes me uh, appreciate everything that the publishers and the editors do when when I work in that. But this way, we control the property, we own the property, we aren't giving anything away to anyone, and when you really think that you've got something that is special, well, then that's 
that's an added bonus. No question. Now, I know last year you and Tom Mandrake had a Kickstarter campaign. What lessons were learned from last year that you're uh, trying to apply this year? Oh, boy. Um, the fact that uh, uh, no matter how challenging you anticipated being, it's going to be more challenging. I bet. You know, um, uh, and it's going to be more work. You know, but um, there, too, you're asking people, uh, you're not asking them to, to just give you money, because that's not what Kickstarter is about. It's that you uh, ask them basically to to do what, in many cases, a um, a retailer does, which is pre-order. Yes. And so instead of you ordering it through the retailer, you're ordering it through us. And so you pre-order um, the book and maybe some additional stuff that goes along with it, uh, maybe a PDF version, maybe the full uh, full print version, maybe all the little uh, odd things that come with it. So um, uh, that's that's part of the work that's engaged in it, and also how to reach out to people, uh, how much you have to sell it, how much you have to um, uh, just get people to talk. Well, again, talk about it, which is what we're doing right now. You bet. You know, and that's what's so important to us about it. Yeah, and that's why I'm very thankful for you coming on is, um, you know, how do you get the word out to people when you aren't part of one of the uh, publishing houses? You know, uh, and the only way to do it is out through the Internet and through interviews like this. No, it's my pleasure, man. I, I'm happy to help you guys out and get the word out. Uh, I know it's uh, coming to the the closing uh, moments for the for the Kickstarter campaign. But, yeah. uh, you know, if you're a Jan Dorsma fan, she is really delivering with a lot of great premiums. There's some amazing original art that is uh, that is available. Sketch card examples uh, that she has there on the mm-hmm. on, on the Kickstarter page. And, you know, yeah, that's that's really uh, half the battle, I think, beyond giving the quality book is, you know, coming up with with really cool premiums. And I think you guys mm-hmm. are doing that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think one of the premiums was uh, uh, I'll sit down on the phone or on the Skype or something like that for about for three one-hour sessions or two one-and-a-half-hour sessions or one three-hour session and talk story with you. Talk about so anyone who is working and becoming a writer, well, you can pick my brain that's for a excellent. couple hours. No, that's great, man. No, I see that right here, $300 or more. You can get uh, your story kind of, uh, yeah, man, go have, have a good story session with John. I think that's, that's excellent, John. And, I, you know, from the moment that we started to get to know each other, it has been great to walk around with you at a convention. I remember a New York convention almost 10 years ago mm-hmm. when, when we walked over to Brian Bendis, and he got to tell you, like, you know, face-to-face how much he appreciates your work. And I know mm-hmm. people like Gail Simone and, and, and Greg Rucka. I mean, I'm just rattling off names off the top of my mm-hmm. head that, you know, they, they got their style from enjoying your work, and you continue to kick ass with all these great stories too, man. Well, uh, they're also all tremendous artists. And uh, actually another person who's been a big fan and very supportive is Jeff Johns. That's excellent. So uh, uh, he's been very supportive of what I've been doing. And it's part of the reason Amanda Waller has appeared in so many different uh, TV shows and movies. You know, you know Jeff is there to, to make sure she's around. That's awesome. Are they? And you know what I'm going to say when I say this. They're taking care of you in, in that end as well. Are you seeing some uh, creator uh, residuals from that? I am. You know, uh, um, the nice thing especially is that I have participation with the use of Amanda. 
uh, every time she gets used somewhere, you know, well, and they get some licensing money for 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 her use. I see some of that. Terrific. So 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 Amanda is taking good care of me. That's wonderful, man. Well. You know, before we, because I, I, there's plenty of Suicide Squad stuff I want to ask you, but uh, before we get to that, when did when did the collaboration with Jan begin? Was it Dark Horse that put you two together, or did you guys meet on your own? How did that happen? Well, first of all, uh, I knew Jan certainly because I was working with Tom, you know, because uh, Tom Mandrake and Jan Dersma are husband and wife. I didn't know that, I, or I forgot that. Wow, yeah. that's excellent. Yeah, in fact, what's really cool is to watch their kids growing up and in fact, uh, their daughter Sean Mandrake is the colorist on Cross. Fantastic. So yeah, yeah. So that's amazing. So I got to know Jan first of all, you know, like, uh, 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 through Tom, and then we did other work together. Um, I think the um, we did work at Marvel, uh, Wolverine, Night of Terror. Uh, I scripted that. Um, uh, I think it was Ian Edgerton plotted it, but um, but they were, I was brought in to script it, and then we did. Um, uh, Hawk World and or Hawkman uh, over at DC together as well. So so we've done, God, a incredible amount of work over the years. And then, of course, there's all the stuff over at um, at Star Wars. Yeah. So well, those uh, those years on Hawkman, you um, we've talked about this in previous conversations. You had a couple pages of comic book art up at uh, the Bucket of Suds, a great Chicago bar that unfortunately mm-hmm. is no longer there. But uh, yeah. was that Jan's work or was that Tim's work? Uh, no, actually, that was Graham Nolan. Uh, oh, Graham who, Nolan, cool. Yeah, uh, Graham started the uh, um, the monthly book and was on it for a long time. And um, because um, we put the Hawks in Chicago, I, yep. I said that you know, we'd have a scene set at the Bucket of Suds since <laughs> I was there so much myself. And, uh, and we got photo reference of the bar and all the rest of it to Graham. And uh, Graham, very great. Uh, gracefully um, agreed to give me the pages so I could give it to Joe Dano, uh, who was the uh, who was the owner and barkeep over at uh, Bucket of Suds, yeah, and man. and Joe just loved it and had him framed and put up. Yeah, I remember going over there and seeing that work and stuff. The great Joe Dano, the jazz philosopher, old yeah. ra- old radio host, and really just uh, an amazing. Uh, impresario and, and storyteller, raconteur, you know, whenever you went into the, the bucket and everything, Joe would talk your ear off, but it was always great stories. It was excellent, man. It was a real fun experience being there. And and he also uh, uh, posed himself as a mixologist. He wasn't just a bartender. He was a mixologist. You know, you could go in there and um, you could tell him, well, I don't know what I, what I want. And he'd say, well, what do you got a taste for? And you say, well, I've got kind of taste for this or that. And, you know, and he'd figure out a drink and put it together and, you know, and put it, and that'd be exactly what you wanted. Absolutely. You know, and I'm sure you remember this, or I, I think, again, in one of our older conversations, there's a liquor store in, in Chicago with a lot of locations, Benny's, and yeah. I think some of his recipes, I know they bottled them. I don't know if they still do or not. Yeah, but but yeah, for a while, not only could you get them made fresh at, at uh, the bucket, but you could also go to Benny's and, and get it bottled. And yeah, no, he was he was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they did that after the after the bar closed. Okay, but uh, uh, and it was his chocolate uh, liqueur and his that's vanilla right. liqueur. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and I may have some of the chocolate liqueur, just a little bit still left. I mean, it was from Joe that I got. Uh, uh, this bottle of Waterfill and Fraser, this uh, this this legendary whiskey that um, and the uh, 
place closed down during um, uh, Prohibition. So if you got a bottle, it was pre-Prohibition. Wow. You know, and oh, was that stuff smooth. I mean... <laughs> That's fantastic. I may still have the bottle around somewhere because every once in a while, if I just want to get a hint of it, I can uncork it and still sniff it and still get a sense of it. That's you know? outstanding. Absolutely. No, I was going to say, that's likely what you were doing, to get a whiff of this stuff. Wonderful. Too yeah, funny. I, I, I remember this one Rocky musician, I forget who it was, but I heard him on the radio, and he was talking about Waterfield and Frazier, and he was saying, and there's only one bar in the world that I know of that you can get it, and I'm not going to tell you where it is because I don't want them to run out of it. <laughs> and I said, you bastard, I know which one it is. And I go there all the time, and Joe sold me a bottle. That's so, outstanding. Yeah, yeah, man. No, WXRT uh, was right around the corner yeah. from, from the Bucket of Suds. And, you know, I worked there 10 years, and that's how I discovered the place. Mm-hmm. And you're right, the program director, I mean, it was a, it's, it's weird. It, you know, Norm Weiner, the old program director, he just retired this year. Oh, wow. Yeah, here you go, man. I'm giving you some Chicago news as well while we're talking. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, Norm... I mean, that was the thing. You get Norm, and Norm really was this huge force in uh, rock and roll music in in America. I mean, he really Mm -hmm. was a very important kind of power, you know, kind of kingmaker. So, yeah, the bands would come with him, and it's like, hey, you know, is there a good place to chill? And he's like, I got just the place. I remember Squeeze came over there and Springsteen, Mm -hmm. and either you or, or Mike Gold were telling me that when they were shooting The Color of Money, uh, Scorsese and... uh, yeah. And uh, and I'm guessing Paul Newman uh, went over there. Yeah, in fact, the story, as I understand it, is Scorsese uh, came in and looked at the place and said, "Oh man, I got to tell Francis about this." And by Francis, he meant Francis Ford Coppola. Pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Man. too damn yeah. much. That's awesome, man. No, I, I love it. Well, I'm I'm really excited for you guys with uh, with uh, Hex Hexer Dusk, and uh, I I really wish you all the luck in the world. And I think again quality product and i and i'm glad that you guys are uh kicking ass together and it's so i i'm amazed that uh tom mandrake and jan dursma are married and it's it's fun to see two artists that have such different styles mm-hmm. but both are masters in incredible work yeah yeah you know uh uh that household has just got too much talent <laughs> absolutely red so we were talking a, a little bit about uh, some suicide squad, uh, suicide squad stuff you've got coming up. It, it's a mm-hmm. it's a special. Tell me about the book if you can. Oh sure. Um, um, well, DC gave me a call, and it's about I think thirty eight pages. I better double check that if I'm writing it because uh, <laughs> I don't want to go under or over on it. But uh, you no, know, no, they gave me a call because it was getting um, part of this rebirth, part of the relaunch and stuff. And Amanda was going back to looking more like the Amanda that I had um, uh, in my day. Well, Thank actually, God. actually looks more like, I guess, Viola Davis. You know, like, I mean, if you're going to have Viola Davis, you better have a, have an Amanda Waller that reflects her a bit. Absolutely. crying out loud. Sure. So, um, uh, and they called me and they talked to me about it. I think originally it was going to be an annual, now it's just called a special. But it's going to come out in August. Outstanding. And, you know, just a little bit after, uh, I think the end of August, you know, like, so the movie will still be in theaters and stuff like that, and uh, everyone will be able to push and stuff with that. And um, so they turned it over to me. I got it's a complete story in that thing, and uh, I came up with a plot line. And actually, it was one of those things where you go, "Okay, I like this a lot, but I don't know if you'll okay it." And they say, "Oh yeah, oh yeah." 
so it's, uh, uh, nasty twists and turns and uh, uh, all the stuff that uh, makes Squad the, uh, the fun read that it is. You know, I'm really glad that uh, Jeff and, uh, and Gail as well, with uh, when she was doing Secret Six, that they would reach out to you. And, and you'd get a chance to come back to these characters because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you know, John, I was there at the beginning. I mean, I, I remember very mm-hmm. well uh, back when uh, these came out of DC Legends. Am I right? Wasn't that the right. event that yeah. it came out of? You know, it was really cool. And, and if you don't mind, I, I wouldn't mind for the, for the audience that's hearing this fresh um, to go back to that time and tell mm-hmm. me. Because, you know, right now with DC Rebirth, in, in its own way, uh, the stuff that came out of Legends served the same purpose in terms of, you know, kind of rebooting some things, including Suicide Squad, which started as Task Force-esque and a very military-based uh, original comic and stuff. But uh, if you don't mind going back to the genesis of Suicide Squad and uh, how it all happened. Well, sure. Uh, at the time, I'd already been talking with Robert Greenberger, uh, who was an editor o- over at DC. We had been through cons. We're talking and talking about my doing something there. And then, uh, and uh, at first, I'd wanted to do Challengers of the Unknown because uh, I just I thought and still think that's one of the great titles in comics. I at least as a title, you know, Challengers of the Unknown. You know, <laughs> absolutely. So, but somebody else had a whole, uh, had dibs on it. So that wasn't mine. So Bob says, well, we got this other uh, title. No one's doing anything with it, and you could do anything you wanted with it. And it's called Suicide Squad. And my first reaction was, what a stupid name. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter with Suicide Squad? Go on. Who in their right minds would, would join a team <laughs> called Suicide Squad? Well, that's true. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You're right. So, so uh, but but then my brain kicked in, and I had an answer to that question: who would who would belong to the, people who don't have any other choice? Mm, okay, who don't have any other choice? Prisoners who are prisoners in the DC universe, supervillains. Hmm. And I've been a big fan of the Secret Society of Supervillains. Oh yeah. Um, uh, way back when, as well. You know, and uh, and. So it sort of hit me, you know, like, um, take one part supervillains, take Mission Impossible, take uh, uh, the Dirty Dozen, Definitely. jam them all together, and uh, mix them smooth and uh, <laughs> and see what you get. And <laughs> that was really the uh, the genesis for all of it. And, uh, and Gold was just going over to D.C. at the time, and he was given the next big um, uh, company-wide crossover after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Now, people got to remember, at that time, it wasn't, an, it wasn't a normal thing to have all these company-wide crossovers. Crisis had set a pattern that was very, very different. Um, and so, uh, and since Mike was going over, he wanted to bring me over as well. And so uh, he'd come up with this idea to do a six-issue miniseries that would be different. He didn't want, you know, we didn't want to repeat Crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, part of the uh, uh, aim for Legends was that uh, whereas Crisis killed things off and uh, worlds will change and things will never be the same, we wanted to launch some books out of it, one of which was the new Justice League, uh, one of which was the new Flash, and the third one would be, uh, since I was already working on it, Mike said, well, let's put Suicide Squad in here because that'll serve as a launch base and you'll get 
and you'll be exposed exposed to more to more readers. Hopefully, that will that they will then come on. So we did that, and I think it was two weeks after uh, uh, the end of Legends, we did a Secret Origins issue uh, all about uh, the squad, and then two weeks after that, Suicide Squad number one came out. That's awesome, man. So did you, in that Secret Origins, did you tie it to that original group? Because Rick Flagg is the only surviving member of the original Task Force X, as I remember. Well, uh, that and also the female member, Karen Grace. Oh, I forgot about Karen Grace. Go ahead, go on. Yeah. Uh, uh, and originally, um, they weren't so much military as they were sort of like explorers. Uh, they were like another version, actually, of the Challengers of the Unknown, and there's four of them. Okay, yeah. Uh, but it only appeared for like... Um, uh, six issues, I think, and as part of Showcase. They never appeared in their own title. Okay. In fact, I think I just, when I was uh, trolling around on uh, on Amazon, I think that they're bringing out a hardback version of those stories. I remember reading that. Yes, you're right. So uh, so those are going to be out, and people who want to take a look at them. And I think that you should. I think they're worth reading. But it didn't take off at that time. Um, so... In the uh, Secret Origins thing, I not only tied it to that, but also there was uh, the uh, the War That Time Forgot, which was um, Dinosaur Island, and it had a suicide squadron uh, uh, that was military in in World War II. So I tied that into it as well, uh, because you know me, I'm a continuity freak, and (laughs) if if I can knit this to that and to the other thing, I like to do that. You know, uh, in, the reader may not know all of the things in and the ins and outs, but I think they appreciate them. You know, they like to see that. Well, okay, evidently that was there, and somehow it's been been acknowledged. You know, John, you're 100 percent right, and in fact, I think that's what was missing. And uh, one of the things that Jeff Johns wanted to bring back with this DC w- rebirth was this connective lineage, lineage on a lot of these uh, heroes. And, and, yeah, the legacy that they, you know, and the fact that it is all connected. That's what makes DC really superior to Marvel in that sense because uh, it's fun. And, I mean, as a reader, when I was growing up, I loved finding out about the Justice Society and uh, all those great Silver Age war books and, and other adventure books with non-caped heroes. And, you know, you, you discover these great creators like the original, uh, you know, Task Force X creators, Robert Kaniger and Ross Andrew. Yeah. Um, DC had a long history that I guess they felt at one point that was getting in the way. And and, yeah, and I can appreciate it. Sure. Um, uh, the comparison I make to it is that sometimes, well, if you have a boat, you know, and it's slowing down because you've got barnacles on the hull, sometimes... <laughs> You got to scrape off the barnacles. True. Um, I think they're doing that with Star Wars right now. You know, like, uh, the uh, the extended universe got a bit complicated and wasn't accessible to like the more casual viewer or reader. So I fully understand why they decided to jettison a lot of it as official continuity. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it's still out there. In fact, they've even started to reprint some of my stuff as well. That's great, man. You know, uh, so uh, it's just it's strange stuff. It's called Legends uh, <laughs> uh, uh, from Star Wars. So, so Marvel is, you know, paying heed to it. They just don't follow it, you know, necessarily. But that's okay, too, because uh, we were told at the time when we were doing it, 
is that George Lucas gave us a lot of latitude to do what we want, but under the understanding that if he came back to do Star Wars in any form, including the animated uh, series, he was not going to be bound by the continuity that we created. So, so there's always a chance that uh, that the that the books that I did were not going to be in continuity, and I knew that from the start. Did you ever have you had any fresh talks with Marvel about possibly uh, coming back to Star Wars and doing anything new? No, no, not at this point. Although you never know about the future. Okay, but uh, uh, but they're doing their thing. And uh, and I wish him luck with it. Sure. You know, I I mean, I had what over ten years of doing Star Wars and having fun and bouncing around the galaxy and the times, <laughs> the different eras. So um, um, bless him. You know, maybe sure. force be with him. I hear. You. <laughs> What'd you think of the movie, man? I loved it. Yeah. Myself. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, uh, uh, yeah. Is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. But uh, is it really, really, really good? Yeah, it sure is. I agree. You with know, you. there were there were moments when I was just had a big idiot grin on my face. You know, uh, when uh, when Finn and Ray and the little droid are running because they're being attacked by these ships and they're running towards one one ship up ahead, and uh, Finn asks uh, uh, her about, this. he says, what is that other ship over there? And she says, no, that's just garbage. And as soon as she said that, I said, that's got to be the Falcon. It's got, and then the other ship gets blown up, and she says, we'll take the garbage. And he turned, <laughs> and of course, it's the Falcon. Yeah. And at that point, you go, oh, it's not, when Han Solo comes on and says, Chewie, we're home, it's not just him, we're home. Damn straight, man. No, I agree with you. I know, isn't that awesome? That and it was so much fun to see it alongside uh, young kids seeing it for the first time. And yeah. we all had big smiles on our face for completely different reasons. But you, you really have to appreciate that balance of fan service and giving new people something new to appreciate as well. Yeah, one of the things that I've noted uh, in the conventions that I've been to lately. Um, because there's a lot of cosplayers out there, and I love the cosplayers. I, I think they add so much to the whole ambiance of conventions these days. But what was really interesting was to see how many females, from young to older, uh, dressed up as uh, as Ray. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's great. That is just really great, you know, because that's bringing in, that's giving them someone that they can directly connect to, the, you know, like the way that so many boys connected to Luke and, and Han. Definitely. So, so uh, uh, I think that's just tremendous. Agreed. So on this, back to the Suicide Squad for your one shot. Um, sure. Are you, are, is it the movie uh, team, pretty much? Or? Um, actually, yeah, there's quite a few members of it. Um, uh, Harley's in it. Sure. As long as, uh, and of course, Deadshot and Boomerang have to be in it. Of course. Uh, and I threw in El, Di- El Diablo as well. But there's another member or two in it because um, I'm no fool. You know, I mean, if I can, if I can capitalize off of using uh, the guys in the movie, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Sure. You know, you know like they'll they'll attract more people in. So um, uh, it is certainly separate from the movie. I mean, it's not. In the movie continuity, that would be that would be a little hard to do. Well, and I don't blame you. That's that's okay. We want we want uh, the comic fans want your uh, Suicide Squad, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I want to do my Suicide Squad. Attaboy. You know, you know, and what's also great is that uh, 
out of all the characters that I've ever written, there are two whose voices, every time I sit down to write them, come back immediately. You know, one is John Gaunt Grimjack, and the other is Amanda Waller. <laughs> I don't even have to wonder, all right, do I still have that voice somewhere? Nope, they just show up. It's as if they're going, okay, we were here. Where have you been? <laughs> That's outstanding, man. You know, honestly, over the years, and I've appreciated every time they've put Waller in Smallville, and Arrow, and all these different, mm-hmm. you know, things as they've popped up. But as you said, too, you know, and I even remember some of our previous conversations, you know, they'd have these lovely actresses, you know, from Pam Greer and uh, mm-hmm. Angela Bassett. I mean, you can't, you know, that's that's fantastic. That said, you know, I mean, most of, or, or what was great about Amanda was, you know, the this mountain of a woman, that you know yeah. took no prisoners, and and you know that classic was it Suicide Squad number eight where she's in Batman's face and screaming at him and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that cover <laughs> is one of my favorite squad covers of all time. Uh, I mean, Amanda is just unique. Always was. There was never anyone like her before her, and there hasn't been, I think, much of anyone like her since. You know, and. Um, again, not taking anything away from how anybody else chose to depict her, but there was a reason why I chose her to be uh, that heavy. You know, she doesn't have uh, superpowers. She, uh, what she has is iron will, and I wanted her to be the wall. You know, the fact that you, <laughs> you know, that she had to uh, radiate this sense of power that she has without having super uh, superpowers. Someone who could back. Uh, Batman uh, to the wall by by putting her finger in his chest, you know it's you know I can yelling at him, you know uh, you had to be able to buy that, and um, uh, and I wanted someone who was well first of all who was black because there weren't many black characters yes yeah you know and um, and also her background being specifically from uh, from Cabrini Green there in Chicago that's right uh, particularly Cabrini Green back then. Uh, uh, built into who she was, and uh, and I wanted her to be slightly older. You know, like, you know she isn't going to be a young thing. You know, she, she's seen things. She's been around. She's had experiences. You know, and and again, giving her the weight gives somehow to me gives authority uh, to who she is and how. You know, like, the whole idea of throwing your weight around. Amanda's got the weight to throw around, Absolutely. and she thro- and she throws it. <laughs> you know, I've got to ask Kelly Sue DeConnick if a character of hers in Bitch Planet, Penny Roll, who is this mountain of a of a woman convict that's on this prison planet and has to fight gladiatorial games and stuff, if if uh, there was some inspiration from a, from Amanda Waller in there, I don't know. I don't know either. You're, yeah, that's a question you'd have to ask her. Yeah, you know, but uh, but certainly. Uh, Amanda broke the mold when she came in, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And the one actress that I think really captured her was Cecilia uh, uh, Pounder, uh, who people might remember from the TV show The Shield, and yeah. is a wonderful character actor, still does a lot of work, and mm-hmm. of course was the voice of Amanda on the uh, Justice League animated series. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the Assault on Arkham. Yes. You know, uh, 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 she carries so much. Uh, of what uh, I thought Amanda was, but at the same time, I gotta say, you know, just seeing uh, the trailers. I mean, first of all, you know, like when you can get Viola Davis 
to begin with sure. you know, as an actress. Boy, yeah, you go there right away. <laughs> and then when I saw her on the trailers, when she's talking, and she's talking, you know, I got the worst of the worst, you know, and uh, she had the look, she had the sound, she had the authority, and some of the lines she was saying in that first trailer could have been pulled straight out of the comic. So I went, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, they know what they're doing. That's outstanding. I got to ask, did did anyone from the movie's uh, production team come to you in, in any way to talk to you about the characters or anything? No, no, and they didn't have to. You know, uh, It's plain to me that they have done their research and... Uh, and the book should stand. I mean, if you want my input, you might as well just go to the books. Okay. Okay. Did you Have you had a chance at all to visit the set or see any footage or anything beyond what we've seen online? I've seen what you've seen, so, okay. uh, but I'm very excited by it and stuff. And um, everyone's been very complimentary, so, so – uh, uh, and I couldn't be happier. I mean, boy, talk about the casting. I mean, you get Jared Leto as the – as the Joker, this is an academy. In fact, I think this is his first movie role since winning the Academy Award. Yeah, for Dallas Spires Club, you might be yeah. right. Yeah, and then you got Margot Robbie, who's stealing. I mean, she's you know, yeah. I mean, she might as well be cast as a thief because she's just taking every scene <laughs> that I've seen and put it in her hip pocket or maybe in her bra. I'm not sure which, <laughs> but yeah, no, she's great. Is it? Did you see Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. What a what a great range to go from that movie and and really bring it as what we've seen so far with Harley. No, I I agree with you, man. I think uh, I have a feeling that after this, we'll likely see a a solo Har- Harley movie. In fact, oh, they might have oh, already yeah. announced it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've uh, read uh, talk about that. And then you got Will Smith's Deadshot. I mean, wow. You know, I mean, Pretty this cool. is just one of the biggest stars in the world, right? Yeah. And uh, and he said, yeah, you know, play that shot, you bet. And I went, God, how can you not love that? Absolutely. And, you know, I'm really hoping that, I, you know, Hancock was okay. And yeah. I appreciated what they were trying to do. But it was part of that growing pains of, I think, finding the right superhero film mix to really make it work. Mm-hmm. And, and I think uh, almost like uh, Chris Evans did fine when he was Johnny Storm mm-hmm. in those first two Fantastic Four movies, but really found himself uh, you know, being Captain America. And, oh, yeah. I, and I'm hoping the same goes for Will Smith doing Deadshot. I, I, think, I, I think that's absolutely going to be the case. You know? And then you got so many of the good actors throughout the movie. You know? uh, uh, and the design looks are so amazing. On all these characters, I mean, reimagining them certainly for the for the screen, sure. but in such a way that I think really conveys what those characters are about. When you were doing the book, were there ever any villains that they said, "No, sorry, you can't use him or her"? Um, actually, surprisingly, I kept away from both uh, the Joker and Harley uh, at the time because um, I wouldn't have the freedom to play with them as I wanted to. You know, uh, what's great about it was that I um, I would get villains, maybe B, C, and D list villains. Yes. And uh, uh, at the time, I got a lot of uh, uh, Flash villains because um, uh, the Flash was being relaunched and they weren't using the Rogues Gallery at that point. So that's how I got a hold of Captain Boomerang as well in it. So... Um, we got a chance to use some of them, and as I 
sometimes put it, weed the garden a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, what have you thought of like, you know, in your, I mean, and, and not to rank on other on other writers, but I think some really good writers have taken characters like Boomerang and Deadshot and had uh, interesting turns with them. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like uh, Boomerang and Identity Crisis. I just talked to Brad Meltzer, actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was kind of interesting to see Boomerang kind of down and out. And, yeah. and, you know, at a low point and everything in that particular story. Well, you know, when I got a hold of these characters, I was given basically freedom to run with it. You know, and, uh, and I did. And I can't begrudge anybody from doing the same thing as I did. I had my version of the characters. They should have their versions of the characters. What do you think of uh, Rebirth? Have you, in, in doing this Suicide Squad one-shot, um, did they talk to you at all about... You know, did Jeff or whoever talk to you about what they're looking for in terms of a tone for for this uh, rebirth launch that's going on? Um, not in terms of what I'm doing. Basically, what I was told is they wanted John Ostrander's Suicide Squad story. Well, there you and go. I said, and I said, I think I can do that. <laughs> that's cool. Is there anything you know as you kind of reestablish a relationship with DC? Are there any uh, former characters that you'd like to uh, take a crack at again? I don't know. Um, I don't want to go back too much or back to the well on too many characters too often, because um, uh, I, I did my thing on them. You know, like I don't sure. want to. I don't want it to be that. Oh yeah, well John's good to do the, the characters that he did before, but maybe not so much. You know, like um, new characters or new takes on old characters. Okay, so maybe something that you hadn't done before, though. You you're thinking about it or. Well, I, I, basically all I can tell you is characters that I would love a crack at. Okay. You know, um, I always loved Dr. Fate, uh, and I think doing that again with Tom would be really trippy. Sure. Uh, um, although I loved Walt Simonson's version of that, too. Um, would I like to play with Batman again? Sure. Sure. But Understood. a character that I've always... Or, well, not always, but in the past couple of years, have grown to appreciate more and more is Superman. You know, and uh, doing a little more Superman would not be a bad thing. Um, playing with the Creeper could be really wonky. I love now. This is something I would love to do, particularly if I had some freedom to to play with it. But me and Mandrake on the Demon. Sure. Well, much like Doctor Fate, because of your guys' excellent run on on Spectre. Mm-hmm. It would it would be great to see you kind of play with other characters in DC's kind of mystic portion mm-hmm. of their universe. Why mm-hmm. not? Yeah, so uh, I'd like to have a little freedom to play with them. You know, I can follow a vision maybe I have on them. But, um, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, those are some of the characters, at least at DC, that I'd love to play with. That's cool. You know, um, I, I was just telling someone today when I was talking to them about uh, the fact that we were going to talk tonight. I was uh, going through your list, and one of the great... Uh, you know, uh, miniseries that you did was mentioning Superman, of course, the Kents. And I said, you know, that was awesome. I go, you know, it's one thing to go back to the world of Krypton and you get Jor-El's, you know, family and, and the, the history there. But it was really fun to see you play with uh, Clark's Earth family and, and yep. get into the, the Kansas side of uh, the Superman family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, basically, well, it's funny because originally the way... Uh, I had this idea for a historical Western put in the DC universe for like a long time. And originally, I wanted to use uh, Floyd Lawton's family because I figured I'd get you know, some freedom to play around with oh, it. That's because, true. Yeah. because what I was um, thinking of is that maybe some of the members weren't going to be so nice. 
so I was talking with um, uh, with Pete Tomasi, uh, who was my editor at the time, and he said, well, what else have you got? And so I was telling him about this and then about that, and then I told him about the Western idea. He said, I like that. Let me, let me see if I can run with it. And I said, Pete, I've been trying to pitch this for years. You know, you're not going to get anywhere with it. He says... <laughs> He says, give me a shot. I said, fine. So uh, he actually got Levitz to get real interested in it. And then Paul said to uh, to Pete, he said, uh, uh, well, Lawton's interesting, but wouldn't be wouldn't it be more commercial and more interesting if it was Superman's Clark Kent's family? And uh, Pete said, well, maybe, but there's going to be some of them who aren't that good, aren't that nice. And uh, Paul's answer was, so? <laughs> That's excellent. So, uh, so Paul was the one who steered us to, uh, into uh, using Superman's family. I'm so glad he did because that really gave the basis of what we were going to do. I mean, once you have Superman, well, then you got Kansas. Well, okay, how did the Kents come to be in Kansas? And once I started doing all the research on that and saw that Kansas was like the dress rehearsal for the Civil War, you know, and then after the war, you got so many tropes from. Uh, 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 from the westerns, the idea of the two gunslingers meeting each other high noon on the dusty down. Well, that started around there. That was Wild Bill Hickok one day, you know, uh, actually just across the river in Missouri, you know, so, uh, and the big cow towns, you know, like, sure. like, like Ellsworth and, you know, like in Dodge City and, and so on, you know, those were all Kansas towns. You know, I mean, when we think of Kansas, we tend to think of, you know, further west. But no, you know, no, Kansas was really it. Absolutely. Was there a real Ellsworth? Because I'm assuming you used it as a nod to Whitney Ellsworth, the old Superman. No, 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 no. There's a town. You know, it was uh, was a railhead. There were three big railheads, uh, Abilene, Dodge City, and and I may be getting the name wrong, but I think it's Ellsworth. That's fantastic. Well, you I know, didn't realize that. Maybe Whitney maybe, took his name from that. I don't know. Maybe. But uh, as as the rail pushed further west, and the railhead would change, uh, according to these towns. Also, the towns get a little more civilized as they went, so they would drive the cows to another one. Really cool, man. No. And then Marvel, you did a Western in Marvel as well. I did, too. Okay, Apache Skies, right? Apache Skies and uh, Blaze of Glory. Yes. Oh, my God, I forgot. Man, I'm telling you. Uh, if they haven't republished that stuff, people got to go and uh, you know check on Amazon and see if uh, some store is uh, you know selling some back uh, trades mm-hmm. of that stuff. Because no man, I, I always enjoyed your western stuff, and you know a lot of that all kind of fell in the mix of sci-fi and western with Grimjack back mm-hmm. in the day as well. And certainly you're bringing it back too with uh, with uh, Hexer Dusk as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a strong western um, and steampunk. Uh, uh, feel to it as well so uh so yeah you know we try to take a little bit from here a little bit from there and weave it all together would you ever want to do a traditional more straight up uh, steampunk story i love the steampunk idea i don't know if um i know steampunk well enough to be able to pull it off um and keep it you know true to its roots okay you know but but yeah i i i love the whole idea of steampunk Stuff like that. You know, I think visually it would be just amazing. I wonder too, John, because back when you were with First Comics, and we, you know, really haven't talked directly about that in this conversation. But uh, 
what you think of uh, what's going on now with uh, creator-owned books and the way the market has changed. Because I, I really like to hear a comparison of what it was like, you know, then when First Comics was really entering the market and just being a new publisher uh, compared to. What we're seeing now, you're doing it with your Kickstarter, certainly, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, just this wave that I think really even more in the last three or four years has really picked up a lot of steam, and, and you're getting these great creator-owned books that are selling you know, the same numbers as DC and Marvel books. Yeah. Um, at the time, particularly when first first came out, um, uh, I mean, I always bless it because you know, that, that was my launching pad. Yep. But uh, uh, and they gave better deals back then than DC and Marvel were were offering, and in fact, pushed DC and Marvel into offering better deals as a result because of the talent that were coming there. But at the same time, you didn't um, own the characters yeah. uh, as you can now through like a Kickstarter. So that's a that's a very different thing. Um, with me, I've always. You know, like, I don't hold back. You know, like, if I'm doing a story, you know, like, it's all about the story, no matter where I'm doing it. I mean, yes, I'd like to be able to hold on to part of it, you know, or all of it or whatever. Sure. But but my first job is to the story and to the reader. You know, you know, like, I got to give them everything I've got every time I, uh, I, I step in. Absolutely. Well, that's cool. I mean, you know, and I'm glad I'm glad that you're finding success. It would seem that because of your long and great work on these big uh, franchises for both DC and Marvel uh, and also your 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 first comics work in st- as well, you've got a decent core following that hopefully mm-hmm. whenever you announce something new, everybody kind of responds. And I'm glad you've meet, met your Kickstarter goals. We'd like to see people contribute a little bit more and uh, certainly uh you know when is is the plan beyond once the the Kickstarter uh, sponsors get their books? Are you going to you know publish it yourself and make it more available to stores, or you know possibly shop it to another publisher? We we're looking at that, but there's nothing set right at the moment. Sure. Right now, the only way that somebody can be sure of getting a copy, particularly the first edition copy of it, is 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 through the Kickstarter. Understood, um, but. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to to finding an additional life for it. That's cool. Well, you know, and I'm I'm really glad that uh, you know you're 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 cranking out stuff, man, because uh, we we want we want new John Ostrander stuff as as much as you guys are able to you know put product out there. Is there any other uh, projects coming up? Well, I got a couple things uh, in mind. Nothing that has um, uh, gelled yet, you know, come together yet. I will say that in the back of my head. I do have another idea for another uh, John Gaunt Grimjack story. Fantastic. It, has, it hasn't come together yet. There's some problems with it, but if I can work it out, then I'll go to Tim and Mike and see if uh, see if we can bring the band back together and go out and play. <laughs> that sounds great, man. That is excellent. E- executing the Kickstarter from uh, you know terms of, all right, now you got the money and stuff, and, and obviously you write the story. Do you have people helping you out in terms of, you know, like shipping, shipping uh, the uh, premiums and and the books themselves, or anything like that. You guys got it? Nope. Oh, nope. Boy. Oh man, that's that's being. Uh, I mean, headquarters for that, for that is the Mandrake Dursima household. Okay, but but I'll try to pitch in and do as much as I can. I understand on it as well. You know, from from Michigan, but um, at some point I got to take a trip back there and help with the signing and the autographs and maybe even just stuffing them into envelopes. John, I always forget you're still in the Midwest. I keep putting you in New York. 
And well, I, I was a, I was in Connecticut, and then I was in Jersey okay. uh, for like a long time. But a couple of years ago, we came back to Michigan because Mary Mary Mitchell, mm-hmm. my better half, um, her family was here and her family farm. Okay. And uh, now we have a house of our own here in Michigan. Outstanding. So, um, so it doesn't mean that's going to be my final abode, but uh, for right now, we're happy. Okay, good deal. And and uh, health wise, everything's going okay. It's okay. It, All right. You know, I mean, certainly I went through the triple bypass, and yeah. um, and I had a, another heart catheter. Um, that means they stick a tube back in you and take a look around, and see how you're doing. Um, and that report could have been a little bit better, but could have been a lot worse too. Okay. So, so I'm okay. I got um, my doctor most recently said that John, you got to eat better and you got to exercise more. So I'm going, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, John, we want you around, man. So I understand and believe me, we're all fighting the fight and everything. And oh yeah, so. oh yeah. I mean, this is what I've heard <laughs> most of my adult life. You know, I eat know. better, exercise more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do understand, but well, I'm I'm glad. You know, I'm I I remember uh, the bypass and everything, and I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to rest up, and I didn't want to bother you. So uh, I was glad to hear that uh, this campaign was going on. Jan is the one who actually contacted me. And I'm like, oh, that's good. I'm like, well, this gives me an excuse to talk to both of you. So Jan, yeah. Jan will be coming on because, I mean, I respect the hell out of her. She is such a great artist. Oh, she is. And and you guys together are an excellent team. So it's, yeah. it's great that you guys are doing this new product. And, and yeah, man, I mean, we want we want more. We're greedy. Yeah, yeah what's uh, one of the things that I think that was important for Jan from Star Wars, well, I mean, aside from the fact that a big Star Wars geek there in in Mrs. Dersima, but um, um, she had a chance to settle down in one spot and really you know, work there and um, uh, and build her fan base so that people knew where to find her and discover her True. and um, and then start following her. Yeah, man. No, absolutely. And uh, you're right. And I know the excitement when Jan would just design ships and everything. And I mean, oh, yeah. Just, and we're seeing it in, in Hexer Dusk as well. I mean, these are these are really gorgeous kind of world-building things yeah. that she's putting out there, man. Yeah, and it's not only the big things. I mean, you take a look around, you see the little details and stuff like that, you know, that, uh, that litter throughout all of the, um, well, even all the art right now. You know, um, one of the concepts that I like, Right now is the concept of um, um, what we call beaties. Um, and when Hexer kills one of the weird, their eyes pop out, and um, he uses them as ammo in, in, in a gun to, like, to like reload and shoot more of the weird. That's So he shoots eyeballs at, at the weird. Yeah, their eyeballs. Oh, that's awesome. That's a <laughs> There you go. That's the kind of imagination that I, I want to hear. That's wonderful, man. Yeah. Very, very cool. Dude, I'm really glad. I'm, uh, congratulations. I'm, I, this, Thanks. This sounds great. Suicide Squad one-shot coming up in August as, as well. I mean, John Astrister is coming home to Suicide Squad, and that's where he belongs. I'm assuming that if sales go well with the one-shot, maybe, uh, maybe something more with the Suicide Squad? It might be. Um, I don't know. You know like, uh, I take it one step at a time. You know, like, I mean, they've got a real good team. On the regular book coming out, so... Very excited for you, John. Great stuff coming up with the uh, Suicide Squad one-shot in August. Really glad to hear you're thinking still about new Grimjack stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, Hexer Dusk, uh, you know, excellent book. 
70, uh, 70 so pages, 72 pages. Mm-hmm. And uh, great stuff from you and Jan. And uh, I can only uh, imagine that uh, there's hopefully more coming. Yeah, me too. And uh, and also, Tom and I are, are finishing up on Cross uh, as well, so people will see that soon. And who knows, maybe we'll do more Cross as well. That's excellent. That was last year's uh, Kickstarter, correct? Yeah. Excellent. Okay, very cool. No, that's great, man. Congratulations. I'm glad things seem to be going well. And uh, keep it up. And, uh, you know, the next time uh, there's a new project and stuff, it's a good excuse to, to get together and we can have a new conversation. Yeah, if only we could do it over at the bucket. Absolutely, man. Well, or, you know, they, either I was living up in Michigan or you were in Chicago, and we'd find a new place to hang out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for talking, John. It's always a pleasure, man. Uh, good to talk to you. Always a pleasure to talk to John Ostrander, and I hope you enjoyed today's conversation here at Word Balloon. It was brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. There are tremendous books with John Ostrander's name on it at InStock Trades just waiting for you. A couple more volumes of Suicide Squad. Uh, Keep things going. You can get volume two, The Nightshade Odyssey, with John and Luke McDonald. Uh, It is uh, 45% off, just $10.99. Or volume three, Rogues is also 45% off and $10.99. You can get John's contributions to John Carter of Mars, Warlord of Mars, the big trade paperback. Great collection, 42% off, just $17.39. The Legends 30th Anniversary trade paperback, Len Wein, John Ostrander, John Byrne, Carl Castle. Uh, excellent good stuff. Carl Castle, excuse me. Carl Castle is an NPR uh, broadcaster. But uh, that's uh, 45% off. It's just $9.89. Or you can get uh, the first edition of Suicide Squad, as I mentioned before, uh, Trial by Fire, uh, which includes the uh, secret origin and the first eight issues of Suicide Squad. Uh, 45% off, $10.99. Legend of Grimjack, lots of it. Volumes 2 and 3, 50% off both volumes, $10 and, pardon me, $19.99. So uh, check that stuff out at InStockTrades.com, because it's waiting for you at great prices. InStockTrades.com. John Suntra saying thanks again for listening to Word Balloon. Thank you, League, for your support. Uh, do me a favor. If you like the show and you listen through iTunes, would you write a review and rate the show? Uh, it would certainly help me out over there and uh, keep the uh, show up prominently in uh, the top ten, which would really be helpful and let people know if they're looking for a good podcast about comic books, they can find it in Word Balloon. So thanks for the support. If you've got any questions or comments about the show, you can uh, go to the front page of wordballoon.com, and I'm using SpeakPipe, and I would like you to chime in. And good or bad, I can take it, and the Word Balloon audience can take it. Maybe you want to tell me I suck, and you hate the guests that I pick, and I don't pick enough of a certain kind of guests you want to hear. Fine, let's hear you talk. SpeakPipe is uh, right there on the front page of wordballoon.com. There's a tab there that says Send Voicemail. That's how you access SpeakPipe. And I would really love to get your feedback on uh, what I do here. And, uh, you know, it would be great to hear from you. So let me know. Until next time, thanks a lot for listening. Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2016.